Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be getting into 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. We're going to be talking about idols and the things that are offered to them, which is going to be pretty exciting because the way that uh, the Apostle Paul defines idols at the very beginning of this chapter really is going to be what carries us through to the completion of it today, good Lord willing, and the dangers that we have to keep our eyes open for, especially those of us who would believe ourselves to have great knowledge, those are the ones that are easiest to fall. So, before we get into this, let's talk to the Lord and ask His blessing be upon us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask and pray that blessing be upon us. We pray that you will give us wisdom, Lord, that we may be able to understand to fear the Lord is the blessing of knowledge. And Lord, that it can often cause us to puff ourselves up believing that we know something that sometimes we don't have a clue about. And Lord, we just we pray that this great idol would not overtake us at any given period, that we wouldn't recognize how it may be, in fact, harming other people. And Lord, just bless us with this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it comes down in verse number 1. We'll just read all the way through 13 verses in this chapter. So we'll read it through and then we'll back up a little bit. But it starts off in verse number 1. Uh, now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but charity edifies. And if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know it. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other, but none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, rather in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all thing by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see if, for if any man sees you which has knowledge sits at, at meat in the idol's temple, Shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make your brother to offend, I will, I will eat no flesh while the world stands." <laughs> lest I make my brother to offend. Now, 
when you consider the very end of this chapter in connection to the very first of this chapter, you'll understand the, the contrast that he makes between knowledge and charity. So that he would say, when you sin against the brethren, you wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. And he says, if, if eating these foods that I know that I'm perfectly fine to be able to eat, but if eating these foods are going to cause one of my brethren who are weak in knowledge concerning their, their ability in Christ to be able to do these things without being, being in danger of some, uh, some idol or some other god's ideas of what's going to happen to you if you do this, if, if, if they're weak about the stance that they have or their faith that they have in Christ and believe that they would be somehow being sucked into another faith by eating these foods because of who they're offered to, then he said, I just won't eat it. He said, I, I, I want to strengthen and secure the brethren in Christ. And so if I'm among those who are weak in the faith and they're wondering why, because we're hungry, we're going into this place to eat with these foods that are offered unto these idols, does that mean that we follow these idols? He said, I just won't eat. I just won't go there. <laughs> and that's that's pretty funny. I think that that's fantastic as concerning his ideology because you come back up here and it says, now as touching verse number one and two, now, as touching anything or touching the things which are offered unto idols, we know that we have all knowledge. And it's interesting that it would start that way, is dealing with those things offered unto idols. And all knowledge that he's referring to is the fact that, that those idols are nothing, that that food, if it be received in the Lord, and if that food be received and prayed for, the blessing of of the one true God over it doesn't matter if that food's been marinated in some other God for another day for a whole a whole week as soon as that food is received by a believer and that believer lifts his heart up unto God in thanksgiving for the blessing of the meat that is set before them and they've consecrated that meal in Yeshua then there's who cares who cares where it came from, so to speak? It doesn't matter. For instance, if we believed that that our current government was trying to be a god over the nation of its people, and that it would it would tell you that you are not to eat anything unless it was government approved, which is what the the FDA program is all about, Food and Drug Administration. So this government wanting to be a god over its people would tell its people by warning through commercials and by, by publications and, and through public education systems would say that if it is not approved by the Food and Drug Administration, that it is a food that is no good to you and that you must only eat those things that are approved by the god of the government through FDA, right? So, so you, you know... As, as a believer in Yeshua, that this government is no God. You know that, this, that it, there is no other God. And of course, maybe this, this type of government is going to get upset because you are seemingly free from among the multitudes of people that bow down in obeisance to the, the dictate of the government, whereas they see you like 
say like Daniel who did not bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar because that was a government and that's the similar issue and they see you as not bowing down and and so they they want to come to you and they want to to ridicule you because if you take a stand you might cause other people to observe your faith in Yeshua and you might be the thing that changes other people's thoughts about this government rule and they might turn to God, the only true God, for help and, and security and faith and hope, thereby changing the world, even by one person, just as Daniel did, just as Yeshua, or when I say Yeshua, just understand I'm talking about this Jesus right here, the Son of God the very Lord. The, the fact of the matter is, is I say Yeshua because that is his name. Jesus is a Roman equivalent to a Greek name that was, was given to him from his Hebrew name. <laughs> so, so you're, you're using like a name, Jesus. This is a name that, that is wholly separated from the reality of our Savior's true name. It, it, it's kind of like the, the situation where, I mean, if you could translate my name into another language, it, it would be going from Jason in, in English, which is what my name is, to to some third-party language where it doesn't even sound like my name, and so people would be trying to talk to me by this other name that's translated from the English to, to say, Spanish to, say, Kirundi in African, and they would be trying to talk to me, but I wouldn't have any idea who they were talking to because they weren't using my name. I would not know that they were talking to me because they're not using my name. It's it's kind of that way in my thinking as concerning Yeshua. Uh, he knows his name. It's kind of important. So you, you get to the point that that these this government would be trying to rule over this people as being their God by making these requirements. Now, you know that if you ate that food, which, by the way, would be all of the food that you would pretty much buy inside of a grocery store anyway, so if you know that if you ate that food, it would not be giving obeisance to to that government. It would simply be food that you would be able to obtain so that you could then prepare your meal and, and lift it up unto the very God who created all of the elements that was necessary for the government to be able to put that food in a grocery store to begin with. And so that you lift that food up and you give praise and glory to the Father in heaven that, that you have these foods to eat and then you begin to eat them. Hallelujah. What difference does it make? And the majority of the United States does that anyways because we shop at grocery stores. But if it was that that a person was certain that because you did this that you are are following this government and 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 are wrapped up in this so that you know that this person would get wrapped up in that then then Paul says you know what it's just I won't shop there <laughs> I won't eat it 
Why? Because though my knowledge gives me understanding that those things that I receive in in foods are things that God has ultimately created, and so no matter where I'm receiving it from, I can lift it up unto the Lord and give Him thanks. That those that are not at that level of understanding yet may very well fall to the idea of whatever religion or government that would would have these foods as though they believe that it came from that source instead of from God. And so to love this person who does not yet understand that all things come from God, in order to love them, then I, with this knowledge, have to refrain from doing some things, going some places, saying some things. I have to refrain from that to love this person who is weaker in the faith than I. And if I operate with my own knowledge and and that I don't think about those who are, are less knowledgeable in the Lord than I am, then I'm not loving them. I'm not caring. Now, it, it's strange to think in these terms because we've, we've never really had to. We, we just we do our own thing in the United States. But that may well be the reason why we have such a collapse in, in this thing called Christianity or that we have such a collapse in, in the, the inner workings of our churches and in the discipleship of believers. In fact, there's not much discipleship that exists in the United States. And except for to model people after the megachurch models, and we model teams and they go send them and build other megachurches and model and model and model. But that's not building people up in Yeshua. That's building people up in a process. That, that's an that's basically an organization replicating itself instead of a living being, instead of a living body that, that belongs to Yeshua that is promulgating the gospel wherever it goes. It's just campus-type uh, campus things that are promulgating a, a, a specific church or specific brand of church wherever it can go. So... It's interesting that he would come to this. He says, Now as touching those things offered unto idols, we know that that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but charity edifies. So it's, it's the difference between what you know and how you love. And he says, If any man thinks that he knows anything, the reality, he knows nothing as he ought to know as of yet. Hmm. <laughs> So, uh, I know it's okay. Well, but then you got to think about your brother. He says, if any man love God, verse number three, the same is known of God. And that's pretty important because your knowledge of God is not the same as is your love for God. Now, your love for God indeed increases your knowledge of him because those people to whom we love, we get to know better. But a lot of people tend to enter into this faith through their knowledge of what they think they've studied and understood about the Word of God instead of building a relationship with God in, in their time of prayer, in their time of service, in their time of study, that they just 
go bypass all of that straight to the point of study and then think that they know a lot about God. And the issue is, is that they don't know anything about God. You could, you could be a PhD uh, and and have all knowledge about the the principles or about the dictates or about the 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 commandments or or anything the history the the gospels that you name it you you could have an expertise of knowledge in the field of of the bible and in its various aspects and still be so far away from god <laughs> so far away from god that you, you you don't even know him you could know all about him and not know him and so that you would find the similar situation of of a couple that that is nearing the gates of divorce they're upset with each other they never talk to each other they're always fussing they're always uh, little nitpick fighting they they're just they're just done and so reluctantly they might agree to going and having a counseling session just so that they can be validated in their feelings that they're done and and they get together with a horrible counselor that knows what he's talking about and actually has seen this before and wants to help bind this brokenness which is why they're a great counselor by the way i call them horrible because good counselors would just string you on for as much money as they could get from week to week until they've sapped your bank account and then they could care less get out but nevertheless a bad counselor is one that actually wants to help you overcome the problems that you have and teach you how to remain overcome from those problems that you have and needless to say as as the two sit down and and beginning to ask questions from the husband to the wife the wife to the husband and and they could sit there they could tell you all about that person but they can't tell you who that person is for they 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 know the things that that trigger them to upset them they know the things that that might make them happy they know the places that they like to go they know the television shows they like to watch they know they know all of these little details about them but they don't know them they've not taken the time to to separate from the the world they're in for a moment just to be enthralled by this person to, to have those conversations and to to have that intimacy of just being alone together just just talking with each other i mean it's something so foreign in our society today uh, in in most homes in our society and so we have a fragmented and distracted and broken society and and the same thing wears off on the the reality of our faith in christ we we talk about god we read about god we 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 study about Jesus and his work. We 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 know a lot about our faith. But as of yet we haven't internalized it. We haven't we haven't drawn our hearts to to Yeshua. We we haven't connected with God. We we know all about these people. We we can quote scripture and we can we could do all these things, but it doesn't matter if we don't know them. And it's an impossibility to love someone that we truly don't know and aren't intimate with. How can we love God when 
All we know about God is those things which we can quote and those things which we have read or those things which we have heard in a message or those things. And and what is the demonstration of our love for God but the reality that we talk about Him all the time, that we think about Him all the time, that we rejoice in those things. We see Him in everything. We 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 see him in our spouse we see him in our in 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 the place that we work we see him in the church that we go we see him in in the times that we open the word of god we hear his voice as he speaks to us from the pages i mean this is this love for god this intimacy with god but we could so easily leave a Bible on a shelf throughout the whole week and only take it down when it was Sunday morning because we know that the Bible is the principal book that is used in the church and so we'll, we'll take it with us because we know without it we're going to be seeming to be weird or left out. And, and, and we, we might pray for meals, maybe. We, we might have a two-minute or a three-minute thank you, Lord, for the blessing of the day, maybe. We, we might get up with a Lord help me through this day or I don't know what I'm going to do, maybe. But to have some from set apart time, to have some fellowship with God is about like what we do with our set apart time with our spouses. We just don't have it. We greet them in the morning with a hello and we, we talk to them for a few minutes before cutting the light off and going to bed at night. But we just don't have it anywhere else. And so our relationships that are falling apart in the, in the physical realm are, are as similar to the relationship that we have as falling apart with God. Not that he's not wanting. It's not that your spouse isn't wanting to have a relationship with you. It's just you haven't even given it a second thought. It isn't something that has even come through your mind. Because it's just something that's, that's there. You've, you've accomplished life uh that's one of the the games that seems to be a a favorite board game right now within my home which is the game called life and and it's funny because you you spin the little dial you get your number you you clump your little car down the board there and oh look you landed on a tab that says you just had some kids Ah, now your car's getting full. Oh, look, insurance. Oh, look, this. Oh, look, that. And, and oh, look, you're a doctor. Oh, wait, you just lost your job. Oh, look, now you're a construction foreman. Oh, you know, and, and it's just going down this board game called life. And, and it's funny because that board game is a sad reality to the non-reality of how we live this life. And that all ties back to what is deal, dealt with here in 1 Corinthians 8. Because the dealings of idols are, are not actually those physical things, that the statues and the, and the different things that the governments and the the leaders of governments like pharaohs and and like our current president that people literally worship and the the other gods that people hate it, all of these idols have nothing to do with 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 anything true it it would be exactly like living out that board game called life just drifting through clopping down the the board every now and then stopping to take a spin to see how many more steps you get to take. And that's that's just nothing true to it. 
Because life isn't just like that board game, though we try to live it that way. That's the way we would like it to be. It isn't that board game. We have to focus on the things that, that we seek to achieve. We have to pay attention to the people that come into our lives. We have to we have to realize the reality of how all these things came into existence by Almighty God. And then we need to pay attention to Almighty God because He is the, the Creator. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He, there is an end to everything that is recognized in this life. And it is important for us to know the, the one who was in the beginning, the one who will be in the end, the one who has, who has set all of this into motion, and, by the way, who desires to have a relationship with you. It's not, it's not an issue of idols that are external. It's an issue of knowledge. It's an issue of knowledge. The greatest idol that Paul is bringing out in 1 Corinthians chapter number 8 is knowledge. That's, that's the greatest idol. And it doesn't have a face, and it doesn't have, it doesn't have any, any kind of physical appearance except for what we use that knowledge to create in physical appearance and so that we may be able to have something to, be, to, to worship. Instead, of focusing on God. And that is the reality, as he said. Now as touching those things in verse 1, offered unto idols. We know that we all have knowledge. That's exactly the greatest idol that exists. Believing myself to be a self-made man is, is making myself my own idol. Believing uh, whatever I choose, in fact, I should say it that way, whatever I choose to believe in is what ultimately is going to become an idol to me, except for my faith in Yeshua, which is not actually a choice that was made by me to begin with, but is a choice that was instructed to me from someone who loves Yeshua. For if it was given unto me to make the decisions, I would never have chosen Yeshua. I would have carried on in the life that I was living, in the passions and desires and wants of the flesh that I was chasing after. And I probably would have would have gotten into all all manner of evil and have have gone in a path that it would not lead me to coming together with you daily, sharing the love of God and the reality of Scripture for certain. And so we find that if it is given unto us to make the choice often enough, we are not going to choose a correct path. We are going to follow the lust of our eyes or the lust of our flesh or the pride in our life and so that we realize that it is a dedicated decision it's a dedicated choice to actually study the things of god it's a dedicated desire to knowing him to to not being caught up in all the things we think we know as paul would say if you think you know something you don't know half of what you should <laughs> We don't get caught up in the things that we think we know, but that we humble ourselves before God, constantly looking into the things of His Word to realize better who He is so that we can in, engage in the depth of intimacy that is rightly deserved for God. But the only way you can know Him is to, is to study Him, is to, to become intimate with Him through His Word. And so it, it, that's the whole point of this chapter. 
he says, verse number five, whether for though there be those that are called gods, whether they're in heaven or in the earth, as there are plenty of gods and plenty of kings, or as it would be lords, he says to us, there's but one God, the Father. And this this God, our Father, is the creator. Look at the way that this is said. Of whom are all things? Of whom? He's the creator. He spoke all things into existence. Our very reality, our very being comes from the voice of, of this almighty God. Of whom are all things? And we in him. We in him. How do we get into God? Through Yeshua. And that is what this point, the second point of verse number six. And one Lord, Adonai, one Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach. This this scripture here says Jesus Christ. And what I just said, Yeshua HaMashiach is Jesus the Messiah. It's Yeshua the Messiah. And, and if you look at this, with the Father, it says, of whom are all things, then through the Lord Yeshua is by whom are all things. One is of, the other is by. Of whom are all things, and we in him. By whom are all things, and we by him. This is very, very important in, in its distinction is that of whom are all things is recognizing the Father as creator that gives life and that brings things into existence. And thus, through the Lord Yeshua, by whom it is through him that we are brought back into God. And so that we know from the, the origin of creation that all things were made, by him and, and without him is not anything made that was made. So understand that, that ultimately the Father is the creator of all things, but at the same time as the Father is in the work of creation, the Son is right there. And so as the Father would speak whatever part of creation that he was speaking into existence, it would be the Son who would mold and 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 build that thing which the Father spoke. And so that it ultimately is the Father bringing all things into existence, but they come into existence by the Son. So this is the, the differentiation that is even revealed by the Apostle Paul, that, that we are of God through or by Yeshua. Now, as recognizing the name Yeshua is, is what it means is salvation. So we know that of God, we have received Yeshua. We have received salvation. And that by salvation, we have been restored unto God. So as there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, we understand that it is through his Son, our Lord, Yeshua, that we are now united to him once more through the work done by Yeshua. And by the way, it's always been through the work of Yeshua 
as the Father would speak things to come into existence. It was the work of Yeshua that would that would bring that thing the Father spoke into existence. And so that as the Father draws our hearts unto Him through Yeshua, in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So as the Father seeks to draw us unto Himself through Yeshua, it is by Yeshua that we are are reunited in faith to the Father of whom we were originally created by. It's just awesome. I love verse number six. It's just awesome. He says, going down in verse number seven, howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. He said the we live in a society where where we don't realize that that very truth that we we live in a society where where we don't know what we are anymore i mean you've got boys that are confused about the fact that they're boys and 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 being taught that they could actually be girls they just don't know You've got girls being confused about who they are, and instead of being taught about the blessing and the beauty of their their particular gender, they're being told, well, it's possible that you could be a boy. You just don't know. We've got parents that are being told not to to cla- claim a sex or a, a, a gender kind of ideology for their children until they grow up old enough to be able to decide for themselves what they're going to be you've got you've got all of these different just psychosis that is being promulgated throughout our society literally i mean it's it's interesting to think that that which would have been listed as a a a mental deficiency not deficiency but a disorder uh, even 20 years ago, is now considered what you're supposed to do by the guidelines of, of a country. <laughs> you know, the, the, the was once called in the American Medical Association's journal, uh, what was it, a, a transgender dysphoria, I believe was what it was originally listed as, as, as being a, an issue literally a, a mental issue as concerning the confusion that you would have about what you were as being that you could stand in a mirror uh, before getting into a shower and, and readily understand your biology. It's kind of hard to miss the reality of your biology, and that's exactly from a molecular structure. That's how you're made. There, there's no confusion there. And, and women are, are women because, of course, God has ordained them to be women. And men are men because God has ordained them to be men. And God created man and he created woman to come together to create new uh, men and women to carry forth generations of society. This isn't complicated. But we have gone forth and we have complicated it because we have rejected the reality of verse number six. We, we have rejected the reality of, of the, how we came into existence seeking rather to believe in a fairy tale called evolution than the reality of the truth in Yeshua. 
And so we reach this point where Paul would have to say, Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. <laughs> not everybody carries the understanding of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Even in, re- even in churches, people don't understand it. <laughs> even in churches, they're seeking to allow for, for an evolutionary process so that, that they would have the enjoyment of the idea of a salvation that may bring us into a heaven that we're not certain about, but it's a whole lot better in the comfort scale than thinking that when we die, we're dead and that there's no point to living in this life. So, so we like to take those things that would keep us from being under the absolute hand of an almighty God because he is the creator by using evolution as the basis by which we will believe creation came to pass, and yet we will still hold on to the genie in the Bible so that when we need a, a fixer-upper to our, our hope or to our lives to feel better about ourselves, we can call upon this imaginary God that comes from the Scripture and say, help me in this time of need and then feel better about ourselves. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And thus... He says, Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with consciousness of the idol unto this hour eat as the thing offered unto the idol. Instead of receiving that food and, and, and understanding that that idol is false and that I can receive this food and then have a prayer to commit it unto the very God I serve, understanding that it is his creation that I'm partaking of instead of this other idol. He said, some people just see that food as honoring that idol, and so they, with their heart, will then receive that food unto that idol and forsake God instead of recognizing. And their conscience being weak will become defiled because they will no longer be considering Yeshua, they will no longer be considering the the Father. They will be dedicating themselves because of this meal unto that idol. They'll be giving their heart uh, in part away from God and to this thing. And by the way, people who claim to be Christian but who have dedicated their heart to something else is, is this exactly who he's talking to. Instead of being dedicated unto God and then bringing God into the realities of the things that you, you do, you separate yourself from God to rejoice in something else for a time. Uh, the, the easiest thing that I could bring up, which is the one thing that will cause everybody to get upset about, is sports. We'll separate from God for the period of time to be able to revel in the sports. I mean, you think about those guys that, that claim to be Christian that'll show up to the game uh, at, at, at 20 degrees at the football game. It's 20 degrees outside. They've got no shirt on. They've got their whole body painted in the colors of their team. There's a whole group of guys that are, that are joking around and, and acting like absolute idiots in the stands. And, and then... Perhaps they show up to church the following week because the game went so long and they wore themselves out the game. They're not going to go to church that day or the next day, they, they, the following week, and just stand there like this is something that I have to do. And, and the exuberance that, that would be displayed at the game, the thrill of their soul, the hollering and the rejoicing, and, the, and my team, they won! Oh, look, they won! 
the same exact emotions that we should have every week when we go to church because of the reality that we've won, the reality that our king is, is over all, the reality that we've, we've been delivered from death. We've been given eternal life. I mean, there's so much to be able to praise God for, but we don't. We, we show up and barely act like we're alive. But man, put us put us in the stadium for for a race. Put us in the stadium for a basketball game or a football game. Put us in the stadium where we get all caught up in the emotions of all the people around us. We're engaged in this thing and we're just rocking this thing. The very the very reality that that church should be to our soul is what we dedicate to all these other idols, and we think we know God. The truth is we don't know anything at all. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. Father, we ask and pray that you will give us wisdom today to understand these things and the realities of them. It's a very difficult chapter. Easy to read over, maybe to pick a thing or two out, but to actually have to focus on this and to pay attention to the reality that we believe ourselves to have knowledge. But in our knowledge, we lose our charity. And also to be able to see that, Lord, we exist by, the, by Yeshua from the Father. And that we are not our own. We've already talked about that, Lord. We're bought with a price. We are called to glorify God in our members. And we understand that as well. Except for the fact that we glorify our sports and our members more than we glorify our God. We, we glorify our, our things more than we glorify our God. We, we actually, if we stopped for a moment, Father, and, and paid attention to all of the things that we actually glory in, we would discover how little a relationship we actually do have with you. Help us, Lord that we may have this time as we, we prepare ourselves to enter into this, this Yom Teruah, this 10 days of awe that is coming up this Wednesday, Lord. Help us to focus on the reality that there may be many idols that we have worshipped, more so than we have worshipped you. Give us this time for repentance, Lord. We'll give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, guys, tough session, but one that's needed. May God bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. And we'll catch you tomorrow for 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Take care.